This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. I'm Nick Hoadley, and each week you can join me as I interview leading InsureTech executives from around the world. We will be learning about the different InsureTech technologies and finding out how they can be a benefit to both insurance brokers and carriers when it comes to delivering for your customers. We'll also be learning about the different career opportunities available to insurance leaders within the InsureTech space and what benefits that can give to your career. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Tongi Tufei, who is the CEO and co-founder at Daycar Underwriting. Daycar, a climate risk insurtech business headquartered in Paris. They have offices around the world, and it's a pleasure to have Tongi join us today from Paris. Tongi, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nick. Tongi, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show. I've really been looking forward to hearing from you actually now for, for some weeks now. So I know you were in Monte Carlo last week and we, we had a few issues with the sound and the connections there, but I'm sure we should be should be fine today. Tongi, let's dive straight in. Would you mind sharing a little with our listeners about your career background, your development, and what led you to start in Daycar Underwriting? Sure. I started my career in insurance about 17, 18 years ago. First, as a consultant. So I worked for Oliver Wyman Financial Services. So I was quite lucky at that time. I was able to um, work for many different insurance companies across the world, uh, North America, Europe, Asia, and Africa too. So I was really, uh, I would say, I, I fell in love with um, insurance and uh, I would say the both the mathematical aspects of the insurance sector, but also uh, the fact that uh, the mission, the purpose is uh, noble, protecting populations, uh, companies uh, of all sizes. So for me, it was a, a no-brainer that after that experience, I should join a large uh, insurance player. So I joined AXA. First, to be in charge of uh, uh, working on the non-life strategy worldwide. So for me, it was also uh, very intense. I was able to uh, learn a lot about uh, uh, how the industry evolves, uh, what are the main challenges, uh, how large insurers and reinsurers are trying to respond to those challenges. So it was definitely um, a very uh, useful um, experience in my career. Then I joined AXA Corporate Solutions. So a couple of years ago, it was uh, the subsidiary of the AXA Group in charge of the corporate segment. So usually large corporations with revenues above 600 million uh, euros. So really focusing on uh, the, the, the jumbos and the multinationals. I created a parametric insurance department there. Then I created AXA Global Parametrics. So a, a new entity within the AXA group in charge of uh, innovative uh, insurance products in the face of climate change. And uh, I was so happy with this, uh, I would say, uh, intrapreneurial experience that I really wanted to um, go uh, one step 
beyond and create my own company. Because I think we, as an entrepreneur, you have, of course, a lot of um, headwinds, but you have um, the ability to be nimble, to be, uh, I would say, uh, extremely agile and, um, and have the freedom to uh, innovate in the way you want to innovate. So for me, it was uh, about freedom and the ability to, uh, uh, to, to try to disrupt the insurance sector that uh, has, uh, I would say, lots of um, good conventions and uh, a nice way to do business. But we know that um, there are also um, uh, limitations. There are like uh, failures. The customer experience is uh, not always great. So I wanted to, um, to bring some, uh, something new in the market and, and try to, uh, uh, yeah, to, to become, uh, uh, through Descartes, uh, another, I would say, uh, representative of the insurance sector with, uh, again, his uh, purpose and mission in mind. Thank you, Tong. It sounds like a very natural progression that you've had throughout your career. Has has it always been that mission that's been driving you? So you, you you've gone into some very innovative areas of insurance. Has it always been that mission of providing that protection in the best way possible that's that's really driven you and and led you now to, to start in the the new company? Yes, I think we we all experience uh, bad news in our life. And definitely, the insurance sector is, is a, a precious tool to be able to absorb shocks and bad news, both in terms of uh, uh, when you have a, a car accident, when uh, potentially uh, you face uh, a fire in your home, uh, when, uh, of course, your revenues may drop. So uh, for me, um, having a safety net was something mm. that uh, clearly uh, helped me have uh, some more peace of mind. And um, uh, being, uh, I would say, a, a player uh, within the insurance sector was something that uh, gave me um, satisfaction and also motivation to, uh, again, improve the industry. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. Really looking forward to hearing more as well about Descartes. Before we do, though, as we are in the insurance coffee house this afternoon now, Tongi, what's your go-to coffee of choice normally? So we, uh, we have uh, many Italian colleagues uh, within Descartes. So I would say uh, we are more uh, ristretto in that respect. It should be uh, very dense, intense. So it's uh, quite the opposite of the uh, American coffee in that, in that respect. So, uh, But it's yeah. clearly influenced by uh, all the Italians we have in the company. They don't kid uh, about uh, coffee at all. It's yeah. a very uh, serious uh, topic. And we had to uh, align according to their standards, which is great for the company. Yeah. But yeah, they don't. their tolerance for, I would say... Uh, uh, what they would call the uh, coffee made out of uh, socks is something that is definitely uh, uh, not even, uh, I would say, uh, a potential uh, topic to be discussed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, that, that's great to hear. Such a good outside influence for, for you guys there, but 100% agree with the Italian ways of doing things. So that's fantastic. Tongi, moving on to business now, on, on to Descartes underwriting. Perhaps you could give me a, a snapshot, an overview of where the company is at the moment and where you're operating in. Yeah, so Descartes is still a relatively new company. So we will celebrate our fourth anniversary in six months. So we are still very young, but now we have more than 100 employees across the world. So we have offices in North America, in Europe, and APAC. So about 80% of the team members are working on the modeling, software engineering, DevOps. Uh, so um, we, we start having one of the top three uh, largest 
teams in the insurance sector uh, dedicated to natural periods. And hopefully in the next uh, two, three years, we will be uh, the largest or one of the two largest uh, uh, teams. Uh, it's something that is um, quite crucial because the MA change is one of the biggest uh, challenges we will face uh, for the for the, the, the short and the, and the long term too. And we need to understand the impact of climate change. It's not easy. It's extremely complicated to understand all the effects and to provide some solutions. It's more adaptation than mitigation in our case for the insurance mm-hmm. sector, but it's definitely very, um, very helpful. And I know earlier this year, you secured a very large Series B funding round. Would you mind sharing listeners a little bit more about that and maybe some of those plans as you move on from that? Yes, yeah, so uh, we, we managed to raise the 120 million USD. So for a Series B, it's true that it's uh, quite uh, significant. For us, um, it gives us the means to um, keep on growing and uh, thinking about the, the long-term targets. Uh, one of um, the issues uh, that large groups may face is the fact that they have to report a, on I mean, every quarter uh, their financial performance. When you're a startup and backed by venture capital or private equity, uh, you have more time to think about uh, how the company may look like in three, five, seven, ten years. And it helps invest in the future. So it's not something that is always intuitive, but as a startup, I think I have more latitude to think long term than within a, a more established player that would have, uh, in theory, more means more financial power to invest in the future. That's a really great point. You mentioned earlier in the introduction, very much climate risk-based business. Could you explain a little bit more about some of those products, maybe some of the, the target markets that you have and how you've developed them over the years? Uh, as we are focused on uh, natural periods, we need, um, of course, to be well diversified across yeah. geographies. So we operate in more than uh, 40 countries. Uh, so we have risk in, in more than 40 countries. Uh, we cover more than 20 periods, so we can uh, cover, for example, uh, a hailstorm in um, Colorado to protect um, solar um, panels. It's a big issue for the renewable energy uh, companies. They could lose basically uh, uh, their entire uh, production uh, capabilities in uh, 15 minutes after a hailstorm. We could cover, for example, um, bushfires in Australia, also in the USA. Uh, in LATAM, uh, we cover floods. Uh, it was a big topic in, um, in Germany and Belgium last year. Uh, it's actually a big topic in Japan right now due to uh, a typhoon uh, that uh, landed uh, over the weekend, uh, Nan Mandol. We cover cyclones. There was one uh, actually that impacted uh, the Caribbeans a couple of hours ago and that uh, could actually... Uh, uh, have also uh, um, consequences for uh, Bermuda. Uh, so the, the cyclone is uh, still uh, alive, unfortunately, and getting uh, more uh, power uh, due to the, the sea surface uh, temperature. So we, we try to cover all types of natural periods. Droughts uh, has been probably the most sensitive topic in Europe yeah. uh, so far. A massive droughts, heat waves, uh, typically in the UK, it's something that um, uh, was a real shock for many uh, British uh, citizens. So having to face uh, very high temperatures in uh, London. But it's something that will uh, be our, 
is already the new normal. To be honest uh, mm -hmm. with you, it's always something that uh, uh, should have happened uh, over the last uh, couple of years. So we have to do something to protect, uh, uh, again, our economies, our people, and, um, and it's going to be uh, very challenging. So how do you go about building and scaling your business when you're working on such large catastrophic losses over such a large geographic area? Obviously, the really large incumbent players have got that built-up premium built up in place. As, as a relatively young company, how do you go about competing and providing cover at that, that sort of level in the infant days of the business? Uh, we have to be very smart in the way we are designing our operations to keep, uh, I would say, um, to keep them light. Uh, it's true that um, in some countries like the USA, uh, typically you need the licenses uh, in uh, all states, uh, usually for uh, the company, but also for the employees. Um, you will uh, end up very quickly with more than a thousand licenses just in one country. So it's quite, uh, quite challenging, but this, this is a must. Huh? You, you cannot operate uh, otherwise. In our case, we are um, really, I would say, located in the, the key financial hubs uh, that help us to, um, to attract business from uh, other countries. So we have, uh, for example, um, a hub in Singapore, uh, a hub in uh, Hong Kong that will be announced uh, in a couple of weeks, a hub in Sydney. And uh, with, uh, I would say, three locations, we are able to uh, uh, secure some business from brokers across uh, uh, Southeast Asia, but also Northeast Asia. Uh, so it's, that's a way for us, again, to uh, minimize our expenses and make sure that uh, we will be uh, still responsive and, of course, uh, fully compliant with all the local regulations. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. And in terms of the benefits then for either the end policyholders, the, the brokers that you work with, maybe some mm. of those reinsurance partners, what are the benefits for the insurance stakeholders? I think we, we discussed that uh, previously. There are a number of uh, uh, pain points uh, in the insurance industry. If we just look at the corporate segment, in the USA, it takes, in average, 550 days between the declaration of loss and the claim payment. That's really the average. Sometimes it could be like three, four, five years. Sometimes it could be quicker. But usually, it's a very um, long and painful process, uh, full of litigations. In our case, uh, we use external data sources and we make sure that uh, the policy is completely transparent and that we, uh, we stick with uh, a claim payment within five working days. So um, there is lots of um, work to do on our end to properly model the risk, design the best potential cover, but then the claim process is very light and, um, and I would say it's, uh, it's also hand-in-hand hand with uh, with our brokers and uh, and the end clients, uh, so the level of satisfaction is of course much higher. We also improve the economics. Uh, a big topic in the insurance sector is that uh, if you take um, a premium of uh, hundred uh, bucks, typically seventy percent will be used to to pay for the claim, be it in cash or uh, through different uh, repairs, and thirty percent will be the frictional costs. So typically, claim handling. Uh, support functions, operation. Uh, if you use uh, nice algorithms and uh, good data sources, there is no uh, claim adjusting costs anymore. So you can save, depending on the line of business and the country, between four to sometimes 15 or even more points in your premium 
So it's a significant uh, decrease uh, beyond the speed, beyond the fact it's bespoke and also transparent. I think uh, something that was uh, quite obvious uh, during the, the COVID-19 uh, crisis was the fact that uh, many people, many businesses thought they were covered against uh, COVID-19 and they were covered against epidemics, not pandemics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah. the jargon in the insurance world is uh, is very uh, precise, and um, we have to make sure that, uh, as a, I would say, uh, in the insurance sector, we make everything we can to be more transparent on what is covered, what is not covered, and to avoid surprises from clients saying, "Okay, I'm sure I'm covered, but they are not." Yeah. Uh, we have yeah. to to completely change the mindset and avoid exclusions because it's something that uh, makes, uh, I would say. Uh, uh, our reputation uh, uh, that bad compared to other sectors. So we, we have to collectively uh, in the insurance sector, we have to work on it. That's great to hear. And I think that really benefits everyone in the industry as a result of that as well. Tongi, in terms of looking forward now over the next 12 to 18 months, what, what do you see as the biggest challenges ahead for, for the industry and certainly in your sector in the, in the climate risk side of things? There will be um, plenty of uh, challenges, unfortunately. Clearly, uh, inflation is uh, bad news for, I would say, the insurance industry uh, because it has an impact also on the on the, 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 the seas. Climate change, we are just feeling the beginning of the pain. So there will be more and more losses. Uh, there is no way to, I would say, to stop this process anytime soon. So uh, for the insurance sector, it means that... Uh, some prices will have to be increased. Uh, for clients, they will be stuck between the reduced budgets due to the recessions that will be faced in many countries and the fact that insurers and insurers will ask for, again, price increases. So it will be a very um, difficult market environment. And in our case, we will make sure that we'll come up with something more affordable that will be uh, very uh, clearly, uh, I would say, uh, uh, specified in terms of uh, what is covered, what is not covered, uh, and, and we'll try to meet uh, clients' budget. Because I, I don't see how it will work uh, in the next two, three years, insurers, reinsurers asking for uh, higher margins, and at the same time, recession and inflation leading many companies to actually try to reduce their insurance budget. There will be a mm -hmm. complete mismatch, and we want to help brokers uh, find solutions. So it will be um, very challenging. It's not going to be easy, but we think that uh, we have a role to play in that respect. It's that combination of recession and inflationary pressures on those companies, which causes isn't there, the difficulties. And certainly in the insurance market, like you say, price of paying out of claims going up whilst those customers are looking to save on their costs at the same time. So it's a, a real juggling act at the moment. Tongi, Brings us nicely now onto the espresso round where the questions are short, sharp and straight to the point. So I know you're heavily influenced by the Italian contingent there and you like your ristrettos. So are you ready for the espresso round now? Yeah, sure. Let's go for it. The espresso round. Tongi, how many people are you looking to grow the business by over the next 12 months? We need to find more than 100 people. Uh, across uh, various geographies, so typically uh, North America, Europe, APAC. Uh, we cover actually uh, companies in LATAM through Madrid, uh, but so definitely uh, 
Uh, we may open other offices beyond the 12 offices we already have. But yes, the plan is more than uh, 100 people, data scientists, uh, software engineers, DevOps, uh, and of course, uh, business developers and uh, salespeople. So it's going to be um, one of the top challenges for, for Descartes. Very much so. Very much so. As you're looking to build, as you're looking to scale, what are the cultural values that you're looking to build there? I think we, we all share uh, a common interest in uh, climate change and how to do something in the face of climate change. Uh, that's, mm. um, I would say, crucial. Then we are a global company. We have uh, 26 nationalities within Descartes, uh, people from, again, uh, LATAM, Africa, North America, uh, Asia. It will uh, become less and less French. So today we have about 40% of the people being French citizens. Probably in the next 12 to 18 months, it will be less than one third. Europeans will still represent 50% of our of the staff, but definitely we are a global company. We are mm. covering multinationals across the world. Mm. So we will become more and more international in that, in that respect. And that culture that you're building there, you know, centering very much around people with that passion, that mission to make a difference in the world of climate change. How do you maintain those values as you do look to scale and grow, particularly as you're doing that on an international basis? It's true that combining both a high growth with a very international environment could create some tensions. So we have to be very careful about, about that. In our case, we uh, are making sure that uh, uh, when we recruit people, they're definitely aligned with the mission of the company. That's, of course, uh, quite obvious. But uh, I know that some companies growing fast may uh, forget, I would say, the foundations of, uh, of the interview process. Uh, that's not uh, uh, our case. Uh, then we have to make sure that uh, uh, people meet with each other frequently. So, of course, there is the bigger challenge with CO2 emissions because we want, of course, to be, uh, I would say, a model as a startup and try to reduce our emissions as much as we can. But, of course, from time to time, then we must meet in person to make sure that uh, uh, people will uh, uh, create, uh, I would say, links and um, good relationships. We need also to um, make sure that everybody is aware of the cultural differences and uh, between a, a PhD from, uh, from Germany and, uh, for example, uh, an engineer in Mexico, of course, they have a, a different uh, way of seeing the world. We have people from China, we have people again from uh, Australia, from uh, Togo, uh, from Benin uh, in Africa. So they have different views, different, uh, I would say, um, interests. And we have to make sure that everybody is aware of uh, uh, the different way of thinking of uh, the other team members. This is something that uh, we're definitely working on. And uh, having a, a very strong science uh, background uh, creates a kind of common language. So Descartes is uh, famous for, I would say, the, his books. And I would say he's perceived as a philosopher, but he's also one of the greatest uh, mathematicians we had in, in Europe. He created lots of uh, conventions like a, B, C, or X, Y, Z, or the X axis or the Y axis. And I think having lots of scientists in the company is definitely a great asset to make sure that everybody is working well together. When you are looking to build out these 
international teams. Are you looking at remote teams or are you looking to bring people into hubs, into offices? What's your plan as far as uh, sort of remote working and office working is concerned? I think we, we have to be flexible. And of course, it depends on the potential uh, wave number eight uh, that we may face in the next weeks or months. In our case, um, we have lots of uh, young engineers, data scientists, uh, for example, in Paris. And I think uh, their family could live like uh, far away. So coming to the office is something that uh, makes them stronger. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a part of, uh, I would say, the, the social interactions they need, again, because they don't have any, sometimes friends or, or relatives in, uh, in Paris. Uh, so we, we try to, to encourage people to, to come to the office. And of course, we, we have very nice offices with uh, a gym and uh, all the coffee machines we need to uh, mm. uh, reach the highest standards for uh, Ristretos. This is something that definitely I, I believe that it will be difficult to create a strong culture with only people working um, from home. At some point in time, you need to, to meet with your colleagues uh, to be able to... Uh, uh, better uh, sense the expectations, mm. uh, what they uh, what they expect from you. So I'm, I'm maybe a bit old school in that respect, but uh, yeah, I think it's it's something that is uh, is key for Descartes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then in terms of team that you're building there, the, you mentioned you know quite a few obviously on the tech side, data science that you're looking to attract to the business. But in terms of the insurance side of things, potentially on business development, as you grow out some of those regions or maybe in in underwriting as well, what values can someone who's got a pre-existing career in insurance, what sort of value can that bring to to your organization? As an insure tech, we want to make the most of both worlds. The tech world is uh, extremely rich and there are plenty of uh, takeaways and lessons. But the insurance sector has the expertise, I would say the, the right processes. So we want to, to have a, a right mix between what we call veterans, and I'm uh, definitely uh, in this uh, category, mm-hmm. and I would say uh, tech profiles. So we have plenty of people coming from, uh, for example, the Swiss Re, Score, AXA, Aeon, Willis, Marsh, Houghton, uh, having uh, spent five, ten, 20, 30 years in the industry and many people coming again from uh, the, the tech industry or sometimes investment banks and mm-hmm. looking for uh, a job in the, the climate tech uh, industry. But I would say we, we welcome um, all types of profiles. Typically for um, the sales team, we will recruit uh, people knowing how to work with brokers because we work, uh, yeah. we work only for brokers. So they, they either come from a uh, large uh, corporate insurers, or they can uh, come from uh, brokers and having a network of, uh, of colleagues that uh, uh, could help us also uh, grow and, uh, and, um, and sell our products worldwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and now that's a really interesting point that you make there. It links on well to my final question, actually, in the, in the espresso round, that if there are people at incumbent insurers, areas, obviously, and brokers who are looking to make that transition, that switch. Similarly to how you've done, maybe they're not going to look to start up a company, but they want to join an insure tech. What advice would you give someone who's considering that move at the moment? I think there are many people being quite conservative within the insurance industry. We, on a daily basis, we are, I would say we are 
understand all the risks that do exist. It's our job. So it makes people uh, probably a bit less uh, entrepreneurial compared to other industries. So uh, there are not so many entrepreneurs in, uh, in the insurance world. And sometimes, uh, I would say, initiatives uh, will not be uh, valued that much. There are many sectors, take uh, the tech industry in San Francisco, uh, people are uh, making uh, mistakes uh, all the time, and it's completely fine. In the insurance sector, if you underwrite a deal and there is a, a loss on this specific deal, uh, you may uh, you lose your job. So it, it's a sector that, I would say, uh, tends to um, punish, to some extent, innovation. So for the people uh, uh, that uh, would like to dare to do something uh, new and innovative, I think we are definitely a, a very uh, nice place to, to work in. Uh, and of course, uh, we have uh, all the knowledge of the insurance sector, but we won't have, I would say, uh, uh, the lack of uh, agility or the lack of uh, long-term view uh, compared to uh, some other uh, insurers or reinsurers. Mm. That links well back to your earlier point about those short-term targets that have got being met by some of those larger organizations and they don't quite have that flexibility to plan and innovate for the, for the longer term. Tongi, thank you so much for today. Time has, has flown by, but it's been fantastic to have you in the Insurance Coffee House. Before we leave, though, would you mind giving our listeners one piece of closing advice? And if there's anybody out there who would like to find out a bit more about the work that you're doing at Descartes, how would they go about reaching out to you after the show? Sure. Well, the, the piece of advice is, I think, for the new generation, and it's becoming the case also for, uh, I would say, older people, again, including myself in, in, the, in this category, I think uh, mission and purpose is becoming uh, quite uh, crucial just to fight anxiety. I think we, we're living in a very uh, anxious world. We see that um, climate change will be uh, a, big, uh, a big challenge for humanity. And being part of uh, companies doing something to improve the consequences uh, helps uh, waking up every day. So I think uh, uh, people having no, no purpose or no mission mm -hmm. uh, are probably uh, not as satisfied as people having, I would say, uh, a real reason to, to wake up. Uh, but it's not easy. I mean, everybody may have a different uh, purpose or mission, but mm -hmm. if you have none, then I think it's, uh, it's a bit sad and uh, uh, it won't uh, give you uh, the, 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 the momentum or the stamina that you may need to, uh, mm. uh, to face the big changes. Uh, and then, of yeah. course, uh, people can go on the website, uh, descartesunderwriting.com. Uh, they can also find us on LinkedIn or, or Twitter. And uh, yeah, we would be happy to, uh, to be contacted, of course. Thank you for that. We'll be sure to post those details on the show notes so our listeners can click straight through. Tongi, it's been fantastic to have you join us today. Really interesting to hear about Descartes. Obviously, huge success so far, and there's some really exciting plans there going forward. So I'm sure there'll be lots of people interested about the business, maybe some some of our listeners who may well have heard about what you're doing, but but may well not know the full story. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of interest there. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much, Nick. Thank you. And to all the insure tech leaders, all the insurance leaders listening today, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for joining us. I'm sure you would have gained a lot of valuable insights and learnings from what Tongi's had to say today. If you did enjoy the show, please remember to download and subscribe to the pod 
to receive each one of our episodes directly into your app each week. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or I'd like to learn more about the competitive advantage that podcasts can give to your business when attracting talent, please reach out to us at insurance-search.com or drop us a message on LinkedIn. Until next time, I've been Nick Codley. This has been the Insurance Coffeehouse Global InsureTech Series. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffeehouse with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.